free choice. You know, he wants us to love him back. He's given us the choice to love him back. He doesn't force himself on us. If he made us to automatically love him back, we would be robots and he would end up being a dictator. And that's not our God. He's not a dictator. He's a loving um, father who is kind and gentle and just encourage us to come to him. We are created on purpose, with purpose, and for a purpose. He's designed us. We are his precious children, and we are to come to him as children. In, in one of the Gospels, probably more, it says, let the children come to me. And I know that St. Paul's School have been working on this um, this week as well in their vision week. You know, um, he just wants us to come as children. Children are very... Uh, they just want their parents. They love their parents. They, they run to their parents. And that's how God wants us to be with him. You know, I think we get a bit jaded as adults and responsibilities come on. But we should never lose that childlike quality where we can run to God and go, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. Because that's what he wants from us. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the prodigal son, which we're going to um, touch on. I'm not got the right place here. Um, it's a really lovely story about, uh, it's twofold really, because it talks about the son who is lost and how he can be reconciled. But it's actually a looking at it from the father's perspective that we're going to do today. That picture is a, a pictured by Charlie McKessy, who's the um, artist who did the boy, the horse, the fox and the mole. Um, he's done some beautiful paintings and it's called The Prodigal Daughter actually. And it's a lovely depiction of um, the father holding his child in his arms. I really love that picture. I think Naomi's got it in her home. This is an aside, but there we are. Anyway, I'm digressing. Let's get back. So the parable of the lost son, I'm going to go through it bit by bit and pick out bits that I've learned along the way, um, which help to clarify, I think, the father's love for us. So Jesus starts telling this parable and says, There was a man that had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the, uh, of the estate. And so he divided his property up between them. Now traditionally, I understand that the eldest son would have got a double portion, being the inheritor and the, uh, the, the eldest child. And then the second son or subsequent would have got a proportion of that. So the fact that the younger son had said, I want my inheritance now, is basically saying to his dad, I wish you were dead, because then I can have my money, thank you very much. But because the father loves him, he divides up his property and gives it to him. So not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and is set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. If you're a Jewish man, the lowest of the low is to work with pigs. Pigs are considered unclean. They were not to be eaten, definitely. And um, yeah, if you had to work with the pigs, it meant you had reached rock bottom. So this man clearly hadn't, 
he hadn't kept any of his friends, he had nothing, and he ended up doing the most menial of jobs. And I think that's why Jesus uses this example, to show that he had reached the absolute rock bottom place that he could be in. He's hungry, he's tired, he's sitting in a pigsty thinking, I wish I could eat the food the pigs are eating. And that's quite a lowly place to be, I think. But he obviously sits and thinks more and more and suddenly decides to come to his senses. And he says, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, so take me on as one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went back to his father. You know, that I wonder how he was feeling at that point. He must have been low, sick to the stomach, heart in his mouth, thinking, what's my reception going to be? But I've got to do something. But this is where it gets interesting because the next passage says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Now, another thing about Jewish men that I've heard is that they don't run. They walk in a dignified fashion. They would have had long robes. You don't gather up your skirts and you certainly don't start running. So the father is waiting for him to come home. He's obviously on the lookout because he can see him from a long way away. He knows he's coming, and he can't wait for him to reach him, so he just goes. And I've also heard a commentary uh, that where, you know, at the gates of various towns and villages and what have you, that's where the elders of that town or village would sit, passing judgment, and, you know, they would just hold court there. And... I heard this commentary that said, actually, the father also may have run to go beyond the, the village elders to get to his son before they did, because they surely would have banished him from the way that he had shamed his family and through his behavior, and they you know, would have had certainly something to say about it. And so there's that sense that the father is still protecting his son, that he still wants to um, get to him. So that's you know, more compassion. Anyway, the son says to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father says to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And I think... This is just, this is how God is with us. He really celebrates. We go to him in our brokenness. We say that we've messed up. And he's like, you're here. It's great. You know, and through Jesus, we can be completely forgiven. But there's significance in what he gives the son as well. So the robe, they talk, uh, there's a lot of talk in the Bible about the robe being a robe of righteousness. And so by putting a robe around him, it symbolizes that he's making him righteous once more putting a ring on a ring was a sign of authority and um i imagine it's uh, in you know we know from uh, this country men used to wear signet rings so if they placed a seal on um an envelope or something they'd press their ring into it and it would uh, be a seal you'd know where that letter came from i know they also had bigger seals but for the point of this it was a ring 
And so that's a sign of authority. You know, if you had this letter with the seal on it, you'd know where it was from, and you'd know whether you should you should open it. Um, so having a ring on his finger was being given authority once more. And sandals were usually worn by the family. Servants probably wouldn't have worn sandals, but the family definitely would have done. And so by putting sandals on his feet, he's being reinstated back into the family. So God is reinstating his son. Uh, sorry, uh, the man is reinstating his son. He is um, welcoming him back into the family. And the older brother is a bit miffed about this because he hasn't done anything wrong. He's worked hard all his life. Um, but the father says, no, this is important. You'll get everything anyway. You inherit everything I have. But actually, it's important that we celebrate that he's come back and, um, you know, be glad. And I think that's how God is with us. He longs for us to be in relationship with him. And um, he... Uh, he just loves us so much. And I'm, I'm trying to convey, I don't know if I can convey just how much God loves us. We, I, um, we're going to watch a little clip in a minute, which hopefully will help. But God is a God who is approachable. There is nothing we can do to separate us from his love. There is no sin so great that we can commit that will make him push us away, will push us away from him. You know, we can go to him with anything. We can, you know, when we are distressed, for whatever reason, he wants us to run to him. You know, as a child, goes, daddy, daddy, daddy. That's how God wants us to come to him, you know. Um, one of my children, I always knew when something had gone slightly wrong because he would come up to me and he would hang his head slightly and go very quiet and just do this. <laughs> and he was wanting me to go with him so he could show me what had happened. And I knew that that was a big moment for him because he didn't, necessarily articulate much and that was his way of going mum I need you something's gone wrong please help me and um, you know those were moments to take it seriously and to be patient and calm and you know that's what God wants he, you know when we go to God and we're hanging our heads slightly in shame he loves it because we're going to him whatever we've got on our hearts wherever we're at we can go to him with it we won't be rejected we won't be um, cast aside we will be welcomed with open arms because the Lord just wants us to be with him. We're his precious children. And, you know, we are delighted over and sung over. And, you know, we need to kind of embrace who we are. I think we get lost sometimes in uh, imagining how God is and how we are. And we can lose the wonder of being his child. And so we want to try and recapture that. But to, uh, to end my little talk with today... I don't know if anyone here has heard about the Father's Heart Ministry, but it's an organisation and they've, um, someone has created this wonderful love letter from the Father to his children using verses of scripture. And I actually have a copy of it printed out for everyone to take home today. But there's also a video clip. Some of you may have seen it, some of you may not, but it's really lovely and um, Daniel's going to play it now. And it's basically reading what's written on that letter and it's um yeah just listen to the words because every one of them is scriptural so every one of them is truth and so we need to absorb what we're hearing as gospel truth about how god feels about us
My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I am familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake. You were not a mistake. You were not a mistake. For all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it's my desire to lavish my love on you. Simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could. For I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand. For I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope. Because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are countless as the sand on the seashore. And I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you. For you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul. And I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine. For I am your greatest encourager. I am also the father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day I will wipe away every tear from your eyes and I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your father and I love you even as I love my son Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you. And to tell you that I'm not counting your sins. Jesus died so you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven's ever seen. I've always been father and I will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? 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 I'm waiting for you. truths sink in for a minute.
Father God, we thank you so much that you are our Heavenly Father and that you do love us so much. We pray, Lord, you would help us to come to you as little children, that we can completely trust in you and your goodness. We thank you that you are with us and for us. We pray your blessing on us, Lord, as we go to our small groups now and we discuss this further. In Jesus' name, amen. It's time to go to small groups now, so if you know which group you're going to, please go to your usual group. Uh, if you are new here this week, then you are very welcome to come and join Kerry in the welcome group, which is going to be in the side chapel up there. Um, if you need to get another drink, I'm sure that's okay as well. So get what you need. Go to your groups. There's some questions. The last slide, Daniel, of my PowerPoint. Um, hopefully you can read them. It basically says, what can we learn from the passage? And, oh, half the question's missing. Okay. Do we know God as our Father is the question that you can't see. Um, and do we know that we are beloved and precious and loved beyond measure? Sorry about that. But anyway, so do we know God as our Father? Do we know that we are loved? What might be preventing us from believing that? And then pray. So uh, if you would like to go to your groups, that would be lovely. <coughs> 